Welcome to the Serpent Cast. I am Annabelle Gatt. I'm Sophie St. Thomas. And this evening we are joined by Jessica Lignato, who is one of my favorite astrologers and a very good friend of mine. And I'm so happy that she's here because she's going to be talking to us about mediumship. And, you know, lately on the show, we've been talking a lot about ancestors and the, you know, the people who've come before us and our relationship to death and, and people passing on. So I'm so happy to have Jessica on because she knows so much about all of this because she speaks to dead people every day. So, most days. Most every day. Thanks for that nice introduction. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm yeah. surrounded <laughs> by the, such talented, famous astrologers. I feel so honored. Yeah. So, <laughs> Jessica, the first question that we ask everyone is... What is your sign and what is your Hogwarts house? Okay. TBH, just we way too old to have a house. <laughs> so I will skip that question. Okay. But I am a sun, moon, and rising all in Capricorn. So if you're looking for somebody who's more Capricorn than me, I wish you good luck. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice time in Capricorn. We've had a series of Taurus. Nearly everyone on this show so far has been a Taurus. So it's really a breath of fresh air to have a Capricorn. I mean, it's, sad, it's a sad day when your breath of fresh air from Tauruses is Capricorn. But yeah. sure, I'll take it. What? <laughs> Not often people tell me I'm a breath. What are misunderstandings about Capricorns? I feel like a lot of Capricorns get mad about the assumptions made about Capricorns. I think I think every sign gets mad about the assumptions made about them, to be fair. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think Capricorns, I think the big assumption is that, um, you know, Capricorns are all about money and ambition and that we're cold and heartless. I don't, I don't see it that way at all, and I haven't seen it in my practice meeting with, you know, thousands of Capricorns over the years or whatever. That's, I think, the biggest misconception. Would you agree, Annabelle? Yes, I would definitely agree. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Jessica, how did you discover and then develop your abilities as a medium? I mean, I had a little bit of a weird way in, which is that, you know, I was already a practicing astrologer. And being a crusty uh, Capricorn that I am, I was an astrologer who didn't believe in psychics and didn't believe in anything, you know, crazy or witchy or woo-woo, which of course is literally everything that I am. But at the time, when I was much younger, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't believe in it. And I think a lot of astrologers, or at least historically, have, have leaned towards like, you know, you learn this, this practice, you learn it and you study and it's not woo-woo and it's not like psychic or whatever. And, and so I was definitely one of those. And I was working with clients for many years. And eventually people started saying, will you talk to my dead parent? Will you talk to, you know, my dead cat? And I'd be like, no, girl, I will not. I cannot do that. And people would kind of be like, I I believe in you and I trust you. Will you try? And I would tell them, I really can't do that, but I'll try if you want me to, because I didn't have as good boundaries at the time, which in a way is probably good in this context. So I would try and then I would get things right. And I thought it was luck. I thought it was random. I thought, you know, I didn't, I didn't really believe it for years until it got to the point where enough people were having these very specific experiences with me and I couldn't, it wasn't random, you know, and I, and, and so it was even years after that before I would advertise myself in any way as a medium, uh, partially because there's a lot of stigma around it, but I think largely because, you know, it's just, 
it's such a departure from what I thought I was and from what I thought reality was that, you know, it, it took me a while to adjust. So what was there like yeah. a turning point for you? Do you have like one specific memory of maybe one first session you did that was very impactful for both you and your client that were like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this? I mean, to be, to be fair, for the most part, all of them are because grief is this huge animal, this teeth. And when someone is in any stage of grief, having someone who can be present without trying to tell them how to feel, that on its own is really healing and emotional. But then having somebody like me who can do that and also describe the person that they haven't told me about um, and and talk about things that happened in the past and, and how, how things are now, it's, it's just this incredibly moving experience. It's something that, you know, I mean, I'm grateful for every component of my work, but I really do understand that the medium work is really special and, and helps people in a way that nothing else does, really. That said, I do have a memory of one of my first experiences were kind of being like, oh, wow, this isn't, this is too random. I, I had a person come into my office and they had lost their father when they were, when their father was very, uh, when they were very young and they wanted me to try to connect with their father. And it, what I was able to do was know these very specific things. Again, it was like, it was like flowers, uh, the father, the dead father, I kept on showing me these, these flowers um, that they would always have, that he would always have on the uh, kitchen table when they were growing up. And I thought, well, that's random and can't be true. And I mentioned it to my client and he just started crying because that had been his experience. And it was such a specific detail that I thought was like wrong uh-huh. um, that I, I, it was kind of like a moment where I was like, well, maybe this isn't just luck. Maybe I'm not just like a good judge of character or whatever. And, and, I mean, I could tell you other stories, but they weren't exactly uh, moments where I figured out that I could do it. It's, every time I do it, it's, it's, it's just such a, it is kind of like a turning point. It's kind of like yeah. this intense experience for me and for them, yeah. you know, for the people I'm working with. I, I'm curious what most people seek when they come to you. Like, for instance, I recently, like within the past two weeks, um, lost my grandmother who I was extremely close with. And I found, and then, and then I've had like, like the worst fucking two weeks you could imagine. And so I found myself just Mm. talking to my grandma being like, Hey grandma, what do you think I should do about this? Or what do you think I should do about that? Or can, or grandma, can you just like help me do this? Or do most people, come to you wanting to see what their past loved ones would, would, would think, or, or I'm curious, I, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the goal of what, what most of your clients are there for. I mean, I think it's like, there's a couple ca- categories. First of all, I'm sorry. I should, let me just not answer oh, your question. Thank you. I'm really sorry about the loss of your grandmother. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I, there, there are a couple different categories or buckets. There are certainly people who come in, they don't know that I'm a medium. They're uh-huh. not expecting it to happen. Or the person who comes through is like, the guy you dated when you were 17 years old, who died in a car crash, you know, like something that you, you aren't thinking about and that it isn't what you expect, but that person is coming in with a message. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of people that I work with like that. There are a lot of people who seek me out because I'm a medium to do exactly what you're describing, to be like, I want to make sure that they're okay. And I want to be like, 
hey, Grandma, can you see me? Can you hear me? Can you help me with this? And then there's another really large demographic of people that come to me because they are not at peace with the person who passed away. Uh, and oh, there, so there's hard. things that are left undone. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's all hard. I, I yeah. definitely, I think, you know, I'm a big fan of while someone's alive, you can fight with them. And that fighting can be destructive, but it can also lead to healing. Mm-hmm. It can lead to peace. And it's important to make use of that because as much peace and support as I can give um, as a medium, it is not equal to doing it in real time while everybody's in their bodies, you yeah. know? You know, a lot of people, you know, I, I've worked with people who were adopted and found their parents after they died. Oh, wow. Um, I've worked with people who have, they come in and they need contact with their, you know, dead family member who was also their abuser. Um, there's people that I work with that their loved one committed suicide and yeah. they have really mixed and tumultuous feelings and needs around their grief and around their connection through me as a medium. And for for what I do, and I I don't know how other mediums work because I've never actually consulted with a medium for mediumship per se, is I counsel people and I will often talk to the person, you know, I always talk to the person who has hired me, my client, but I'll often talk to the person who's in spirit and, you know, sometimes they'll be like, don't say that. (laughs) They'll say something to me and they'll be like, don't tell her, it'll freak her out or whatever. But I will say my experience is, is that when we... When we die, when we're no longer in the body, we don't become God. Uh-huh. In other words, we can't answer all the questions and direct our loved ones to all their good. Because if we could, this world would not be a fraction as terrible as it is, right? Because then there'd be all these fantastic ancestors helping us on our way in this really material way. And, and I think that we, we, we want that for lots of reasons. Um, yeah. but that's not my experience of, of what it is. And also, you know, communicating with the dead. Sometimes we have these like lightning bolt intense experiences, but generally it's much more on the subtle plane. And when one is is in grief and in that heightened state of emotion, and from my experience and perspective, you know, grief is something that will last a lifetime, certainly years, not months or weeks. The, The reality is we're not as, we're like raw, flat out on the ground open, but that's not the same as, like open and discerning and presence, right? So it's mm-hmm. harder to, sometimes it's easier to get the information and sometimes it's harder to get the information. It, it's a little bit random. It's like, you know, being naturally strong and like picking up a baseball versus having the technical skills of knowing how to play the sport. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I use that example because I don't know anything about baseball, but whatever. You got to Maybe play. it's because you you're psychic. Yeah, it's funny. Maybe my, because, oh my, maybe, maybe because my grandpa and grandma loved baseball. Yeah. It's so, it's Did fun. they really? Oh my God. They were the, they lived in, they lived in the teeniest town in Illinois, like, you know, a, a very, very poor Midwestern town, um, biggest St. Louis Cardinals fan. But it's funny you mentioned like w- people wondering if their ancestors, if their loved ones are okay. Because for instance, I am, I forget if I've already said this on the show, but I, I'm not a Christian at all. Like I, know it works for some people, but Jesus is just not a a deity that I connect with. But my grandma was a hardcore Lutheran. And when I know very well that when she died, she expected to see Jesus and be reunited with my grandpa. 
And I find myself, like, I've been having these conversations, like, Jesus, if you didn't fucking show up and, like, say hi to my grandma, like, do you know how many times she went to church and how many, like, big sales she did? Like, you better have been there, Jesus. Like, I've, I've heard that Jesus responds really well to threats. into them. So I encourage you to keep that up because that's just super work. Uh, Jesus, I will cut you. Uh, yeah, no, maybe, maybe don't look at that. So no, I, I, I almost said Jesus was a sub, so, like, I'm going to take it even farther. But let's just next question. Or yeah, that's amazing. I've had actually I've had people who I've talked to, people who are in spirit, who were devout Christians, literally tell me that they didn't want to talk to me because I was a hippie. Uh, oh, um, <laughs> like that that they wouldn't talk to me if they if they didn't have to. And uh-huh. I respect that. You know, you get to be whatever you are, whether you have a body or not. And my personal take on Christianity. And I will say, I don't know what Cardinals are and I don't know anything about baseball, but is it green? Is it green and with a little bit of yellow? Well, oh, the Cardinals is the base is a baseball team. But are there colors like the team colors? They're, they're, they're they're red. Okay. Because when I was seeing the baseball thing, it was just like really green and yellowed. It wasn't like grass and sky it was like anyways that's, that's a that. departure that's, oh my god yeah, I, I do have on my table my grandma gave me a history the last time or the second to last time I saw her she gave me this like you know the thing grandmas that live in the midwest do this this binder of the history of my family and it and the cover of it is green and it has gold lettering maybe I should read that yeah, yeah. that's it that's the one. That, that must have been her. Sh- because honestly, girl, I have never in my days used a baseball metaphor. Like, <laughs> never. Because yeah. if you could look upon me, you'd be like, this bitch knows nothing of baseball. And you would be right. You would, you would be profiling me and it would be right. So, yeah, that, that makes sense. It's just like a, a little touch of your grandma right there. Um, but, yeah, we can talk more about that if you want. But, but, I, but I will say, and this is something that I've written about a little bit, my... My understanding doing the work I do is that when we lose the body, there is no more time and there is no more place. Mm. But time and, and location are conditions of the physical form, of, of, of the physical existence. And so when we talk about or think about the idea of heaven we are, or hell, we're talking about a location. And when we talk about eternity, we're talking about time. And neither of those things exist outside of the physical condition, as far as I understand and believe. Mm. And so this is where it becomes very complicated and difficult to conceptualize because we're three-dimensional thinkers, right? Like we have language. How do you talk about this or process this in a way that really makes sense to our human condition? And for me, the way I kind of rest on that is you don't. You don't have to understand it. When you get there, trust, you'll know. You don't need to rush it because you'll for sure get there. It's like the only thing you know for sure is one day you will get there. And my experience is that there is no such thing as separation. And, of course, when you have a physical form, physical things are separated. But on an energy plane, there's it's, it's not the same. And so one of the more common questions I get is, you know, is grandma and grandpa together or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I experience is people energetically present together or or not and they you know support each other or not but this idea of separation 
the idea of like, I am here and you are there is a physical issue. It's not, it's not actually relevant to being in spirit. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's very beautiful. I'm like going to let Annabelle ask a question so I can sit here and like almost cry. Aww. Well, I actually mm-hmm. I think you can tell I'm about to say something and it's it's not a question. It's just, you know, like an observation that I think what Jessica does is really cool because as an astrologer, it's all about time. You know, when were you born? What time were you right. born? Place. Where on the globe were you when this happened? You know, it's it's all about time and place. And that's, you know, one thing that Jessica has mastered is astrology. But, like, another thing that she offers to people is, like, the opposite of time and space. And I was just, you know, thinking about you being, like, a Capricorn and about how we associate Capricorn with, like, you know, it's around – it it contains – for, you know, Americans, of course, across the world, we have different New Year's, but in America, it's like New Year's. There's a new year. There's this thing with like age and aging. Saturn is the planet that mm-hmm. rules time. And so I just thought it was really cool. I just had, a, I just wanted to make a comment that I think it's really cool that whether. Thank you. Yeah. Whether you're talking about time That's amazing. or That's, time. I've never thought of that. Yeah. I've never thought of that. Well, you have heard me, Annabelle, say that I believe that Saturn and Capricorn, that their archetype is Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. which is a magical figure who teaches you the lessons of your daddy issues and then comes in an umbrella and leaves with an umbrella. <laughs> it's like this like kind of like outside of time and, and outside of space. She carries, you know, like a coat rack in her purse kind of thing. And I really do, I resonate with that part of Capricorn and of Saturn because that's kind of how I live. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really appreciate that feedback because it's not something I've thought about, but it is so right there and, it is weird. So I appreciate that very much. <laughs> well, I do have a question for you. One thing that's been coming up on the show very frequently and that our listeners seem to be really interested in is this idea of we all have people who, who've come before us. Before us, we have ancestors and relatives who've died, and we want to make sure that they have moved on. And, you know, there's this concept of moving on, like the spirits in your family that are like, are not, are not rested, um, who are like, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering if you, you had any insight on moving spirits on and how to create healing with your ancestors. Yeah. I mean, I will say first, first, my response to that is always just because of your ancestors doesn't mean that they're trustworthy, reliable, or safe, Mm -hmm. you know? And a lot of us come from families where there's a lot of fucking trauma can I say fucking? Yeah. I yeah. And I, I, okay, I, yeah. okay, great. I said it twice. Okay, great. <laughs> so there's a lot of trauma. Um, a lot of us come from, you know, we have relatives that are not people we would consider allies and we would not want to call in. And I think it is important to state because I've experienced this with countless clients over the years, that people sometimes call in and they have come in and they have this idea that because someone is in spirit, they are again, kind of like God, they're this trustworthy, reliable force for good. And that is not my understanding of how things go. If that was the case, then they wouldn't need help moving on, right? Mm-hmm. People, people get mired in their shit energetically. And, and so it is important to use discretion when calling upon ancestors. And, you know, if you know that your grandmother had, was a great big heart and was really supportive and loving, but had really conventional ideas about the people you date and never you would never ask her for advice about that. Keep that in mind. Like, don't ask for help about things that you would never have asked her for help for, you know, to begin with, like, as an example. Because, I, you know, I know it sounds kind of common sensey, but but I think that it's hard to use common sense with this stuff in a way because it's so outside of what's common. That said, 
I have mixed feelings about helping people move on. Um, it's not what I do for a living. I work as a medium, so I bridge the kind of gap between worlds, and I bridge the gap between people, I guess, is more specific. Um, and I don't... I have absolutely helped many spirits, people in spirit kind of uh, gain closure and move on. But that's not my specialty or exactly what I feel called to do. And I think that out of a sense of love, people often want to help their lost loved ones move on. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I, I will say this, you know, in, in AA, they say never, never deny an addict their bottom. And I have kind of a similar attitude towards those in spirit. A lot of times our soul needs to learn a lesson. And the kind of ability of our soul to work through that lesson is a gift. I mean, it's a pain in the ass. I don't enjoy any of my lessons, but mm-hmm. it's, it is a gift. It's a, it's a gift that we are able to give to our soul. And so when we are bereaved and when we love someone, we all have the impulse to rush in to help. Mm-hmm. But is it always helpful to absolve someone of the, the work or the process? You know, a lot of times I will talk to someone who's in spirit and, you know, my client will say, you know, are they happy? And the honest answer is no, they're not happy. But, and then the client always is like, how can I help? And often, not always, but often the answer is don't because her ability to sit in her unhappiness or his unhappiness is a healing, you know? And, and right now I'm thinking of uh, this one client that I worked with not long ago and her mother was an addict for, for most of my client's life. And she was narcissistic and unable to take any responsibility for her behavior. And now that she's in spirit, she is in pain because she's not with the body. So her, she doesn't have mental illness and she doesn't have addictions. Those are body issues. Right. Mm. And so she was in, she's now in the pain of what she did with her life and what she did with herself and with the people she cared about. And that's a great pain for her soul to, to stay with until she's ready to move on from that. So I'm not exactly answering the question, but, but these that are kind of things that I think no, about. No, that and was that was beautiful and like just to, oh good, so beautiful and just to jump in from the like relationship, sex and relationship writer perspective, like the idea of sometimes people need to learn their shit on their own and you can't save them. I think we can apply that to the yep. li- li- to apply it to the living as well as the dead. Yeah. Hundred percent. Also, to catch. Sometimes to catch. I'm sitting with a cat. I'm thinking about it. I'm actually sitting with two cats. I'm not trying to brag, but I'm sitting with two cats. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, and it's something that is. It's very human to want to help and fix and heal someone you love, but I don't know that it's always wise. And so, I think that sending energy and love and sharing the light that you can share without harming yourself. There's no downside to it. That will never backfire on a person. And that's something that if you're not sure what's going on or things feel mixed or you're having a really rough time in life, that's something that you can do. That, again, there is no downside in the process of doing it and in the receiving, um, uh, on being on the receiving end. And that's really different than kind of assuming you know what the, the person needs, whether, again, it's like someone you're dating or someone in spirit that you love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a question These are great for things you. I get to talk about. Okay, hit me, hit me. Um, if someone has a, has a sense that they have these abilities or they want to learn how to develop them, what, what 
sort of exercises or are there any books or what advice might, might you have to someone who's trying to build mm-hmm. these abilities? So that is an excellent question. And I am, I've never read a book on the topic and I never tried. So I'm a terrible person to give this advice because I just like, I just, it's just very, very natural to me. And I don't, and, and I, I have refined my skills through practice instead of planning or intention. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, that was brought to my attention recently that, that there are some serious cons to that. But, but um, I don't actually have a great, I, I don't have as great of an answer as I think listeners deserve if they really want to build this skill. However, I can say a couple things. One is be careful what you ask for. Okay. <laughs> because the yeah. reality is once you let this in, once you let people in, you have to really be vigilant about self-care and about maintaining energy boundaries. When I go, I'll never forget, I was on a first date with somebody and we went to uh, walk through the park and I thought, oh, you know, let's sit on this bench, we'll make out. And there was a dead person on the bench. It was awful. <laughs> I did not make out. Yeah. Ladies, I did not make out. Like it, it was, it was a boner killer for me. And it's like, you don't have control necessarily over what you perceive and when you perceive it. And so if you are going to kind of like open this door, know that you want to, you know, wear like an energy condom and you want to keep it fresh and you want to like keep on protecting yourself because otherwise it can have kind of a, a negative unintended consequences. I'll say negative unintended consequences. Can, can we hear um, some, some examples of energy condoms? Yes. <laughs> Excellent question. <laughs> also, never said that before. I was pandering to you. I hope you liked it. Okay. It's a fabulous um, phrase. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you very much. Please feel free to hashtag it. Okay. So uh, this is these are some energy condoms. One, be in your damn body. Be in your body, a.k.a. just put the thing on, right? So what that means is what a lot of people assume is that if you're going to, you know, connect with the spirit realm, you leave your body. But the problem is, you are a spirit in a body and this body is actually meant to be the place you are. And so make sure that you are rooted in your body so that if you do decide to leave, you have a safe, well-guarded place to return to. Or if you invite energies or entities in that you can tell the difference between you and them, because when you can't tell the difference between you and them is when you get bruised in an Mm. unfun way. So, so being grounded in your body is important. So that means if you are a person who skips meals, if you forget to drink water for a couple of days, if you do a lot of drinking or smoke a lot of weed or do other drugs, you know, to know that you, you have to be really careful. In fact, I used to love weed. I did quite love it for many, many years. It was hash, but it's the same thing. And when the mediumship stuff kind of got to a certain level, um, my guidance told me that I had a choice to make, that I can either really pursue being a medium or I could keep on smoking weed, but that I, they couldn't keep me safe and protected if I did both. Mm-hmm. And that was my experience. That might not be everyone's experience. I'm not trying to say this is the law. It's my experience. And, and so, you know, being mindful of how present you are, that's, that's a biggie. Another one is you don't have to do a damn thing alone. On the energy plane, you have support. And that support, yes, can be your ancestors, or maybe your ancestors are dicks. Doesn't matter. There's energy support out there, whether we're talking about guides, we're talking about stars, we're talking about rocks, trees. Um, there is so much energy and support. And if you can practice aligning with it, 
then you become stronger and you strengthen the world around you. Um, whether we're talking about the plant world, the energy world, whatever. And again, there is no downside to that. And it's a fabulous energy condom. Let me think if I have any other quickie in my head. Or was that enough? That I was, think that was that great. Was good. Yeah. Um, okay, good, oh. good. Then that's my whole story. Amazing. I have a question. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, like I have my gra- grandmother, um, but say... I really like the idea of spirit protectors, guides, I don't know the term I'm looking for, um, energies or, or that I can call upon and feel safe. Like even if it's thinking mm-hmm. about them when I can't fall asleep or when I'm just need protection or I'm meditating or I'm casting a spell, but yeah, like 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 many people, most of my ancestors are are not those people. And and my grandma was a wonderful mm-hmm. woman, but exactly, I'm she's not the one I want to ask the quest every question to. Do you have any advice on kind of finding a spirit guide to work with? Yeah. So my understanding, and you know. Ultimately, you know, there are people who believe they know, and that's just what it is. It is a belief. Um, but so my understanding and my belief, I guess, is that every person has many spirit guides. You don't have to choose them. You don't have to find them. You only have to receive them. And this is, again, difficult for the kind of egocentric animal that is human. You know, we figure it out. And when we understand it analytically, then we can make use of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is great, except it's not necessary when it comes to guidance. Receiving guidance is a really important practice. And through the process of receiving it, you can start to get the information of like, okay, am I like receiving, you know, an animal? It's like an energy. Is this a person? The problem is, and this is this is my experience. And again, this is not exactly what I'm an expert in. Um, this this kind of like part of this topic. But my experience is when a person is so focused on understanding or finding an answer, we're engaging with Mercury. To go to me and Annabelle's uh, astro speak, mm-hmm. we engage with Mercury, and Mercury is a data culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing about this is this is not data. This is not data. This is, this is a gentle breeze. <laughs> this is like the ebb and flow of water. It is, it's not exactly data and it's hard to contain. So when we use our analyzer to understand this, we, we lose it. Kind of like remembering a dream. That's a better way of saying it. Mm. And so the, the key is to not really need proof to understand it but instead to practice getting in your body, being present for whatever you feel, releasing whatever is someone else's energies or entities, whether it's like the stress that everyone's feeling about the terrible world we're living in or like your ex who texted you or whatever, like releasing it all and then receiving whatever guidance is available to you. Asking for a force of support or a guide to step forward and to, to, to make its presence felt. So even as I say that, I can feel you. Do you mind if I psychic you for a second? Of course not. Okay, okay, okay. Um, a national TV, it's just I had to ask. Okay, so, um, so 
even as I say that, I can feel your mind going into like trying to figure that out and place it. Right. Uh And this is where, this is where we kind of get into trouble because the process of reception is really different than the process of understanding. So the, Ambition here is not to absolve yourself of understanding, not to be, not to abandon critical thought or discernment, but instead to do it after. To not do everything at once, but to practice being receptive and present without your analyzer, and then unpacking it with your analyzer afterwards, because that's just how it works. Which is why I'm much better at being psychic for other people, especially strangers, than I am for myself or especially (laughs) close friends or loved ones. Because my analyzer can't get out of like, how dare he say that to you? You know what I mean? So it's like our our analyzer is really valuable, but it's it's a limiting factor in this regard. That makes a lot of sense. Well, I have a question for you that's a little bit off topic, but I'm curious to know. Okay. Um, We know that you speak to people who um, have passed away. But I was wondering if you've ever found yourself connecting with like the spirit of a tree or maybe an elemental being like a gnome or a fairy. Oh my God. Okay. Thank you for asking me that no one's ever asked me that. Uh, okay. So I don't know anyone about gnomes or fairies. I don't. And I am a crusty Capricorn and I have a reputation to protect. That said, I had an experience in the past year with a tree that blew my mind. It is was like next level. And I, and I should say like right now I'm sitting in my studio in Oakland, California, and I have this rose bush that is taller than the studio itself. And I have a tree that has these weird little orchid flower blooms on it. And it's like growing into the studio. So I'm like very witchy and, and uh, nature-y kind of lady. Uh, so, you have a beautiful so have backyard. Meeting with them. Thank you. You've seen my backyard. Yes, You've been, it's amazing. You know. It's, yes. And it's, tell, it's way cuter. It's way cuter than I use that lot, but thank you. So anyway, so, but that said, I was, I was taking a hike with my partner, and, okay, and a hike might be ambitious. We were taking a walk, and there were <laughs> lots of redwoods, okay? I don't want to bill myself to be more impressive than I am. It was a walk. But there were redwoods, and there was this one redwood, and I, I just got, and I just, I felt compelled. My body was pulled and I hugged it. And I am not a real tree hugger. I respect <laughs> tree huggers. I should be a tree hugger. Um, but it's not actually like my, my typical move. But I just felt compelled. And my partner told me that he saw it happen. It was like he was like, he was like what happened? And I, I felt this like, it felt like a wave being pulsed into my body. It was so crazy, and this tree spoke to me so clearly um, and and gave me a message, uh, and it was was kind of scary, honestly. But the point was, it was like such a visceral experience, more so than the medium work I do. It was really powerful. It was like this tree was waiting to tell someone a thing. And yeah, so it was a really powerful experience. Amazing, and I don't want to scare people, so I won't no, tell you what the tree said. You're not, but I'm going to be wondering that for the rest of my life now. <laughs> That's okay. It, it was earthquake related. It was it was an earthquake prediction uh, from a tree. Okay, wow. okay, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll just leave it there. We'll leave it there. Well, I know that you also uh, can speak to people's pets, so I'm wondering if you have any Ooh. stories about that you'd like to share. Oh my god, I love I love talking to animals. Okay, so I mean, where do I begin? I don't I don't know. It's I can say a couple of things about it. One is that much like the mediumship, I didn't 
plan on it. Like, I didn't think it was possible. As a kid, I wanted to be Dr. Doolittle. Like, I really did. I don't know if you can hear a cat yelling at me right now. Um, but I, I didn't think it was possible. And then I had a cat who started talking to me, and I figured it out because... Do you want me to tell the story? I, I don't want to bore you with the story. No, please tell the story. Okay. okay, okay, I'll tell the story. Sorry, I'm a lot of talking about my experiences. Okay, so um, so basically, what happened was I had this this um, kind of little workspace, and in the front was my office where I met with clients, and in the back, like all the way back, and it was this long unit, was the kitchen, and I'm a lover of coffee, and so in the mornings I would put on water for coffee, and then I'd go to the front, and I'd write emails, and I would get wrapped up in emails, and I'd forget. I was always forgetting. And so I would, you know, burn the water, and it would boil down. It was a huge waste of my time. And eventually, what ended up happening was my cat would come into the room and say, hey, the water's boiling. And I'd be like, oh, shit, right, the water's boiling. And then I'd go, and I'd get it. And after, like, a while of this happening, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. My cat is telling me that the water is boiling. That's not possible. And so, thank you, thank you very much. And so, and so I was just like, this is impossible. So I started practicing, and I'd be like, okay, I would like show him, okay, jump up on that table, and then walk over there and come sit on my lap, and he would do it. And it was it was like this like mind blowing experience because I'm obsessed with cats. I I love animals, but I am obsessed with cats, and I was just I couldn't believe that this was happening, and. At that point, I then, you know, went forth and started practicing. And when I would meet animals, I would communicate with them. I do have one really good animal communication story, if, if we're not running out the clock. No, please tell us. Okay, okay, I'm going to tell it. So I lived in San Francisco for more than 20 years. Loved, loved, loved it. And there was this uh, guy that I knew as a community, and uh, we will call him Annabelle? Why? I don't know, because your name was in my head. Okay, wait. Anyway, this is dude. And I really liked him, and his name was Annabelle, and he <laughs> had this amazing dog. And I would always run into them and whatever, and I never really, like, I mean, I didn't go out of my way to communicate with him. Um, communicating with animals, BT dogs, very simple. They communicate through pictures. Mm. Just show mm. your dog a picture of a leash, and they'll start freaking out and be like, okay, let's go. Uh-huh. Just show your dog a picture of, I'm scared of figuring out how to take you to the vet, and they'll start panicking and not want to go. Because we communicate with our animals all the time through pictures. We just don't realize we're doing it. In any case, so I never, like, went terribly out of my way to communicate with, with this dog. But I was walking on the street one day, and the dog ran up to me. And he, like, jumped on me, and he started talking to me in a really clear way. And, and I should say that just because an animal can communicate doesn't mean they want to, doesn't mean they do. And animals are like people. They have like varying forms of intelligence and they have varying natures. They are people. And this dog started telling me all this shit. And I was like, okay, Annabelle, can I tell you this? I don't want to freak you out. I don't even know if he knew what I, what I did or whatever. But I was like, can I just tell you what your dog is telling me? And he said, yes. Because animal, Annabelle says yes. <laughs> and um, I then told him and what his dog was saying was I know you want to get rid of me I know you're freaked out by me don't get rid of me I love you and I'm only trying to protect you and Annabelle like was weeping and he was freaking out and crying and apparently what had happened was that the dog had um attacked another dog and to be fair to the dog um Annabelle used to go he's like uh he sold like 
vintage stuff on the streets and he would go to like downtown like random places to get stuff, which were like shady places. And not that they had to have been, they just were. They he went to shady places and and the dog was like, You don't take care of yourself. You make yourself an open target. And he felt that this other dog was a risk. But more than that, he felt that Annabelle wasn't having healthy boundaries and taking care of himself. And so what he was doing is he was like, This is how you do it. And so and so yeah, so so all of that said, we ended up the three of us talked for a while. And Annabelle kept his dog and saw them together for years to come. And the dog never attacked another dog or person. Amazing. And for anyone who was... It's a great story. For anyone who's listening who was just like, you know, also maybe doing the dishes or doing something else and heard my name, this was not my dog. (laughs) For any of the listeners at home. And you're not a man. And you're not a man. And you're not the man. And I just thought it would make me feel closer to you if I used your name a lot. And it did. I'm sorry if it was confusing, but it made me feel closer. No, no, no. No problem. Just letting so badly. My poor major tomcat is talking to me and I don't know what to do. You just got to receive it. Wait, what are you... Wait, what is it? What is your Tomcat saying? You okay. don't know? No, I do. I know exactly what he's saying. I just don't know what to do about the problem. Um, what, what's the problem? Okay, so I have two cats. One I've had for a long time. She's eight years old. She's mama cat. The other one is four. He's major Tomcat. He's big. He's beautiful, but he's a very sensitive... Young man. Uh, young man. And... Um, I recently went through a breakup and my ex meaning well, but not perhaps thinking it through four days before he dumped me, showed up at my door, literally holding a Python and was like, Hey, Hey, you love snakes. I got you a pet snake. And, Mm. and so I now, and then, and then for, and he is a house upstate and the plan was that we were going to move Mallory, the Python to the house upstate and she was just going to stay with me for a little bit and but then he broke up with me oh my god this is a crazy story (laughs) yeah and mama cat like doesn't even notice the python I mean she's a ball python she's still young she's small like she's high above the cats can't get her there's the safety locks there's everything but major tomcat like every single night just comes at me and meows and is like, there's a fucking python in our house. <laughs> and he, Right. Like, and, be careful. And, and he used to sleep with me in my bed, but now he sleeps right in front of the cage just staring at the python. And on one hand, I always have wanted a pet snake, and I love Mallory, and I don't want to get rid of her, but I also don't know if Tomcat is going to get used to her and is just like, holy fuck, there's a snake, or if, like, he's actually... Okay, can I tell you? yeah. Can I tell you? Because and that's his name, right, Tomcat? Yeah, his name after it's after David Bowie, Major Tomcat. I call him Tommy mm-hmm. for short. Okay. So and then what's the snake's name? Mallory. So first of all, Mallory's not happy. That's actually where I want to start. Um, it's a is it a small cage? Yeah, I just bought her a bigger cage, but I'm sorry, M- Mallory is is really confused about what she's supposed to do in this cage. And I think, uh, do you wear perfume? When I go out. Mm-hmm. Um, do you wear perfume when you touch her? Um, 
I'm or sure, oils or body butter? I'm sure I have body butter. I have. I mean, I I do. I wear. I yeah. Like no, I mean, I no, I put. I'm a, I'm I'm a, I put body butter on every time I shower, and I try and I hold her okay. once a week because all the snake websites say you should handle them once a week so they get used to human touch. So like once a week. I'll take her out of her cage. We'll go sit in the bathroom. I'll turn off all the lights. It's really nice. And we'll just kind of like stare out and look Chill. at the moon, to get moon together. But I have had um, body butter on when I've done I that. would take it off. I, would, I wouldn't do it. I would be butter, body butter less. Okay. Because I think she's really sensitive. And I think she's actually pretty scared in that environment. I think there's like a lot of movement and lights. And I don't know where she was before. It felt a little safer to her. So... You know, straight out the gate, I think that part of what Major Tom is responding to is that this snake is like, what is happening? <laughs> like, she's a little bit freaked out. And so I think that she your is. cat is a little bit responding to her, her like, oh my God, that's so Major Tom cat. He would really care. Yeah. I'm going to start. And crying. also, he perceives that as more of a threat, right? It is more of a threat because scared animals, human and otherwise, all. You know, we lash out when we're scared. Um, and so, so, so I think Major Tom is like perceiving or smelling her fear. I do think that if you're going to keep her, she would prefer a longer versus a deeper cage if you have a choice between the two. And I think she doesn't seem warm enough. I mean, I know it's been hot out there, but she doesn't seem warm enough. Is that possible? No, it's possible because she doesn't seem to like lights, but she has a heating light, and I've been turning it off earlier because she seems happier with it on, but I know they need heat. I don't know. I am, ask Annabelle. I've been, like, going nuts because to build her a bigger cage, I'm going to have to, like, construct a shelf, and python mm -hmm. tanks are really expensive, and, like, I have a rent-controlled apartment, and I haven't even told my landlord yet that there's a python living below her, and I don't want to give her up. But I don't. I don't know what to do about this python. Yeah, and and this so all this happened very I, recently. I would recommend. Yeah. Yeah, I would recommend you putting in it out to your network to see if somebody would be able to accommodate her better, because I actually don't think that would be awesome for you, but I don't think that would be as hard because Major Tom is like one of your best friends and he, he feels that the two of you have an agreement <laughs> and uh, the snake is not in the agreement. And so, uh, sorry, but that's just kind of how he sees things. He's just like, well, you know what we do. This isn't what we do. And just kind of how he sees things. So he's not mad at you, but I don't, I don't see this changing dramatically for as long as she feels the way she does. Oh, uh, thank sorry. you for Maybe thank you, you for checking. No, radio. it's okay. Yeah. No, and no, I'm just wondering. We're, we're both like, we're both sitting here with our mouths open. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm. I don't know if I should ask my ex to take care of her because I don't want to talk to him, or if I should just make a Facebook. But he has the space. He has the space to take care of her, and he has the resources to take care of her because he had her for a minute, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what I'm saying is that she lived with him and. It, it seemed like, not like a, I don't know, don't get me started on your damn that. But I will say that the, the, there's nothing wrong with having the, the, the kind of parental instinct of recognizing the boundaries of what you can provide for 
someone that you care about. That's very That's beautifully put. put. Yeah. And very beautifully. Thank you very yeah. much. Thank yeah. you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, we do have to wrap up, but I want to make sure we have enough time for everyone to know what, what you're up to and if you have any future projects that you want to tell us about. Um, and also let everyone know where they can read your horoscopes and everything else. Oh, my God. Okay. So go to my website. It's lovelanyato.com or jessicalanyato.com. doesn't matter what you put in there. Um, and that's L-A-N-Y-A-D-O-O. And when you're there, you can read your weekly horoscope and your monthly horoscope, and you can watch the video I just did for BuzzFeed um, or a bunch of other videos, read tons and tons of stuff I've written or listen to lots of different podcasts. Um, and if you follow me on social media, I post most every day. And uh, can learn lots of stuff that way. So it's at Jessica Lignato on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, and jessicalignato.com or lovelignato.com for my website. Oh, and and guys, also, I'm I'm working on a book. It's a book about astrology. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. So it's going to be on uh, intimacy issues. Amazing. um, A.K.A. relationships. A.K.A. your role. And what you can kind of do to 2.0, your participation in relationships. So I'm really excited about that. And that should be out. I think it's going to be the autumn of 2019. So very soon and very far. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you you so much, much, Jessica, for coming on our show. Yes. Thank you for coming. Oh, my God. I had such a great time. And all the advice. Yes. And also, listeners, Jessica's um, social media is really great. She said that she posts every day, but it's it's really cool, really amazing stuff. So definitely go follow her. And also, if you want to learn more about about her life as a medium, she wrote about it a few years ago on Broadly. So if you go over to Broadly and just type Jessica Lignato in the search, like you'll find a really cool piece to read more about mediumship there. Thank you so much. I appreciate you saying that. I really do. Thank you so much for taking your time to uh, be on the phone with us. Thank you. And we absolutely love you. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, sounds great. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. You can officially join the coven and be a serpent slut by going over to www.patreon.com slash the serpent cast. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the serpent cast. You can follow Sophie St. Thomas on Instagram and Twitter at the Bowie cat as in David Bowie. And you can follow me on Twitter at Annabelle Gat underscore and over at Instagram at Annabelle Gat. <laughs>